If you're just joining us, we are in the uh, starting stages of a new series called Created, Discovering What We Are Made For, and we're looking at five of life's biggest questions from the book of Genesis. We're looking at the questions, where did I come from, which we talked about last week, and we saw that the definitive answer from Scripture is that we came from God, not from random chance, but we came from God. And that really has implications on the rest of the questions that we're asking. Today we're going to look at, do I have value? And then we're going to look at, what is my purpose? What went wrong? And is there hope? These are questions that our hearts crave to have answered. We're actually created to ask these questions in our heart, to wonder, what is the answer? Do I have purpose? Do I have value? Where did I come from? What went wrong? Why is the world so messed up? And is there any hope? This is what every man's heart craves to know. Today we're going to look at, do I have value? And if so, why? And here is why I think we crave the answer to this question. The reason why we crave the answer to the question, do I have value, is because everywhere we turn, humanity is constantly being devalued. Let me start with an extreme example, and then I'll bring it more down to today. Hitler, Adolf Hitler, promoted what he called racial hygiene or racial purity or even social Darwinism. He applied the motto, the survival of the fittest, in order to kill off everyone that he thought was not fit or not valuable enough to have life. And so he systematically killed off everyone that he thought was unvaluable, unworthy of life. And many of us know that he had killed off millions of Jews, but he killed off, that was only about half of the people that he actually murdered. Uh, he also killed anyone that had a physical handicap, uh, anyone that was in a, in a uh, psychiatric institution. Uh, he killed off people of other religions as well, like Jehovah's Witness. He killed off anyone who was mentally retarded. And so anyone that was not up to speed, anyone that did not have value in his eyes, he would eliminate them. He would kill them. He would take their life because he didn't value their life. On a daily experience, we, we experience humanity not being valued. And it's not to that extreme, but if you've gone through high school, you've known this experience of kids making fun of other kids and The way I always put it is they blow out someone else's candle to make their shine brighter, right? But they're constantly devaluing other people. When I was in junior high, we were in shop class, and we had to create these little model cars, and we would race them. And I put, I love woodworking, so I put all my energy into this, and and I painted the car, and, and it was ugly, all right? It was just plain ugly. And one of the kids said, man, your, your car looks kind of hoopty, is the term he used. It looks hoopty. I'm like, okay, don't take it personal. Well, then they started, that started to become a nickname. They're like, you know, you kind of dress hoopty. Um, you, and so they just started calling me hoopty. And, you know, I played along with it, pretend like, you know, it doesn't really hurt. But it was dehumanizing, right? That's one of those nicknames that you actually don't want. Some nicknames are good, right? Like stud, stallion. Hoopty is not one that you want, all right? And it's dehumanizing. Um, But we all experience this, even if it's in your marriage or in your workplace, you know, even subtle things like people rolling their eyes at you saying, you don't know what you're talking about. And we wonder, do I have value? 
Do I have any value? Do I have any reason to be alive? Does anyone appreciate me? And the question we're going to find out today is that, yes, you absolutely have value. And the reason you have value is the same reason last week we discovered, or same thing we discovered last week is where you came from. The reason you have value is because of God. It's because God has created you. And God has created you in some ways that give you value. And we're going to look at three of those today. Specifically, you have value because God created you very good. We're going to dive into that. But you also have value because God created you for each other. And God also created you in his own image. And this is why you have value. So let's start with the first one. We have value because God created us very good. There is a, um, you know what, let me back up. Let me read the scripture first. Totally skipped over that, sorry. All right, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read verse 26 through 27. And uh, then we're going to skip down to verse 31. And then flip over to chapter 2. I'll guide you as we go. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Skip down to verse 31, if you would. We're going to cover the rest of this text more next week and the week after. So we'll come back to it. Verse 31, And God saw everything that he, that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Now turn to Genesis chapter 2. And we'll read verse 18 through 25. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were without shame. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray for the blessing of your word upon us. God, you promise that it will not return void, Lord. And we are people that long to have this question answered. Do I have value? What gives a person value? Am I a valued treasure to anyone in this world, anyone in this universe. And pray, Lord God, that we would be encouraged with the resounding yes. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. 
So first we're going to look and see that we do have value because God created us very good. In the pattern of, of Genesis chapter 1, there's, there's a lot of patterns. This is a song that Moses is singing. And one of the patterns that we see is that God will create something and then he will say that he saw it and it was very good. So you don't have to look through these all with me, but I'll just sort of highlight them. In verse 4, God created light and, quote, saw that the light was good. Verse 10, God created dry land and seas and, quote, God saw it was good. Verse 12, God brought forth vegetation and, quote, God saw it was good. It goes on. He creates the sun and moon and, quote, God saw it was very good. Animals and water, quote, God saw that it was good. Animals and earth, quote, God saw that it was good. And so you see this pattern time after time after time that God creates things and then he sees it and says it is good. But when it comes to the creation of man, this changes. And it's fairly significant and it's supposed to pop out to us to see how it has changed. In verse uh, 31, God creates man. He looks at all of his creation and then he says, behold, it was very good. And so all the things he created, he said, these things are good. But when he created man and placed him in creation, he looked at it with man in it and he said, it is very good. He says, behold, look at the good work that I've done. Look at the very good work that I have done. He says that we are very good. We are a part of creation that makes creation very good. This term good in the Hebrew actually has more than one meaning. Uh, first off, we see the one that we probably most think of when we read this text, that it is excellence. Um, you think about you know, the way God has created us. Psalm 139, 14 puts it this way. It says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make mistakes. God makes things perfect. He makes them very good. You know, it's interesting because there are times in my life, and I think we all have these things where it's like, God, why didn't you make me this way? Or why didn't you make me this way? Or why didn't you make me taller or shorter or more athletic or smarter? For me, school was always a challenge for me. I always tried really hard, and it was really difficult, and I would get by. And then I meet with students now who say, yeah, I don't really try, and I get A's, and I'm in honors classes, and I'm like, I just want to strangle you. But for me, it was very difficult, and so I always wondered, God, why didn't you just make this easier for me? Why don't you just make me smarter? And I see God's wisdom. I think it took me 32 years, but I feel like I understand more now why God made me the way I am. It's because God has called me to plant churches. God has called me to connect with normal people. I'll say that. He didn't call me to write books. You will, you will never see a book written by Dan Jackson. I don't think, unless God does something amazing. I'm called to connect with people, to love people, and to tell them the love of Christ. And so God created me in a way that would best fit the purpose he has for my life. And so God creates us very good. He creates us with excellence. You know, it's amazing because God created the sun, the moon, the stars, the Grand Canyon, the mountains. And he said, yeah, all that stuff is really good. But when he created you, he said, now that, that is very good. Better than the mountain, better than the stars, better than the moon. 
Yes. Very good. And so one, one way is to look at his excellence. The other way of looking at this word good is enjoyment. Let me sort of describe it to you with an illustration. If you go to the store and you're looking to pick up a steak, you will go and you'll most likely see the expiration date to make sure that it's still good, all right? That it's still worthy of you eating it. But when you take it home, you, you cut it open, you put the garlic salt and the seasoning on it, and you put it on the grill, and it gets nice and juicy and crispy, and you take it and you cut it and you eat it, and you say, man, that is good. It's different. It's an enjoyment. What God is saying in this passage is not only did he create you very good with excellence, but he enjoys you very much. The God of the universe enjoys you. He celebrates you. God often speaks of us as a lost son or a lost friend or even as a bride who he enjoys. I love this verse from Zephaniah 317. It says, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Do you believe that God rejoices over you with singing? Or is God this man in the sky who's looking down, taking notes of right and wrong, shaking his head going, man, I can't believe he just did that. Scripture says he rejoices over you with singing. And so one reason why we have value is because God created us very good with excellence and to enjoy us. Second, we see that we have value because God created us for each other. So God says all creation is good, and then he says man is very good. And so over and over and over and over again, you have God saying all of this is good. This is very good. And then God in Genesis 2.18 says something is not good. Something is not good. Genesis 2.18, he says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, this is really fascinating. If you know the, the Bible story at a hall, God creates man. Everything is perfect. Everything is good. There is no sin. Adam is walking perfectly with God. They're in this perfect fellowship, perfectly enjoying one another. And God says that something is not good. It's amazing to us. And what God is saying is that I am not enough for this person. I feel a little bit heretical saying that, <laughs> that God is not enough. But God himself says, I'm here, I'm with you, I'm not enough. You need a helper, you need companionship. This word helper, again, it means to aid or to be one who helps one another. And it's used throughout the Old Testament almost exclusively for the Lord God. That the Lord is our helper Psalm 33.20 puts it this way. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. And so there's this tension, right? Because on one hand, God is saying, I am not enough. I need to send you a helper. But throughout the scriptures, God alone is our help. Do you see the tension? And so which one is it? Are, are we the helpers or is God our helper? And the answer is... Yes, both are true. 
See, this is where we find our value. One way that we see how valuable we are is that God says, you know what? I created you to be a helper to others. I could help them on my own, but I want you to be my helper towards those that are around you. Verse 20, again, it says, but for Adam, there is not found a helper fit for him. And so God is our help, but he does it often through each other, through you. And so we have value because we have purpose, which we'll talk about much more next week. But he chooses to help through each other. There's a story of a woman who was traveling, and this is before cell phones, if you can imagine such a time. And, uh, and she's traveling on this long journey, and she gets a flat tire. And so she puts up the hood, and she tr- tied a scarf to the antenna, which I guess is a distress signal. Is this true? I don't, I don't know. But so the story goes. She tries a scarf, ties a scarf to the antenna, raises her hood, gets in her car, and locks it, and sits in there, and waits for someone to come and help. And so first she has this, uh, this one car comes up, and it's a limousine. And the limousine pulls over uh, to the opposite side of the road and passes right back past her. And on the bumper of the car was a bumper sticker that said, uh, smile, God loves you. And uh, the person, she said, wasn't smiling. So she wasn't sure what that meant. And then another car came along. And it was a really nice sports car, and this person comes along, and they too pull around to go around her and not to help her. And they had a bumper sticker that said, honk if you love Jesus, and they weren't honking. So she's still dismayed, and and finally a gentleman pulls over on the opposite side of the highway. He crosses four lanes of traffic, comes to help her, just as she had been praying for help. This man comes to help her, and he fixes her tire And then she offers to pay him, and he says, if my wife were stranded on the highway with a flat tire, I'd want a good Samaritan to stop and help her out. And so he didn't take her money. He went back to his car, and he honked, and he smiled, and he waved, and he left. He was God's help in that time. And so we have value because God has created us for each other let me just take a little side note here because this passage is within the context of marriage and that is true and right and that's an important part but this is bigger than that. It's being part of a community, being part of each other's lives, needing a companion. And so this passage isn't saying if you're single, you have no value. I'm pretty sure Jesus and Paul would not agree with that statement. Both of them were single and were great value to the world. And so your value isn't in your marital status, but it's that you are given as a helpmate to the people around you. One of my um, theories, I'll call it that, is that uh, the reason why professional counseling has skyrocketed is because the church has ceased to help each other. Now, before I said, I think clinical counseling and professional counseling is great and wonderful. I refer a lot of people to professional counselors when I don't either have the time necessary or I don't have the professional expertise. But in the history, the church has always been the first wave of counselors. They have been the ones who have sat down and said, what's going on? Tell me, what's wrong with your life? What are the burdens you're carrying? What are you struggling with? 
In today's culture, our relationships have gotten more and more superficial as our relationships have gone online, as we have moved further away from people that we know and we move multiple times. And so we have to work hard to stay in these relationships where we help one another, which means that you have to share your burdens with the people around you. You have to ask them for help, which is hard to do. But you also have to go and ask others, tell me, how are you struggling? What is going on in your life? Let me help you. Let me listen to you. Let me give you godly wisdom. And what happens is we deal with issues in our life when there are molehills before they become mountains. And many times when they become mountains, that's when we say counseling would be a really wise thing to go to professional counseling. What my hope is is that Jacob's Well would be a community where we help one another through the struggles of life, where we share with one another. Community group is a vital part of that as we open up and are vulnerable with one another. And so I would encourage you to both be a help and to let people help you because this is one way we have value that God has created us to be helpers. And we're going to cover that more next week as we talk about what is our purpose. But we have valuable value because God created us very good. We have value because God created us to help each other, for each other. Finally, what we're going to cover today, God created us with value because he created us in his image. Look with me, if you would, in verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. There's another really significant break in the rhythm of Genesis 1 here. Over and over again, God creates. And and it just simply said, God created the heavens and the earth. But when we come to this particular creation, the creation of man, it's not God creates, but it's let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let us make him. And so we are created not just by a him, but by an us. And we're created in the image of God. And what this means, the implications of being created in the image of God are are vast. Uh, There's great discussion about it. And again, we'll probably cover a lot of it next week. But very simply, I just want to highlight that one of the ways that we are created in the image of God is that we have a God that is a relational God. This goes back to what we talked about in the last point, but God is in relationship with himself for all eternity. The Father is constantly praising and loving and cherishing the Son, the Son to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit to the Son and to the Father. And these three together throughout all eternity are in this relationship of loving and caring for one another. We are created for relationships, first with God and then with those around us. And so when those relationships break down, when someone that you love walks out the door or when they devalue you, that's why it is so destructive because we are created for relationships. That's why it is so painful when relationships break down. Um, When I was in high school, after I 
graduate high school and I was moving on to go to college, we were sorting through some of the boxes to get me ready to go off to college. And I remember finding a picture of my dad. I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, but I found a picture of my dad when he was my age. And the resemblance was scary. Uh, it was unbelievable how much we looked like each other. It was almost like I was looking at a black and white picture of myself. I bore his image. God says, you bear my image, and you have great value because of it. People, no matter who you see, no matter who you lock eyes with, have value. It doesn't matter if they're rich or they're poor, if they're Christian or non-Christian. It doesn't matter if they're a preacher or a prostitute. Every person has value on the face of the earth. And this, is, this has been seen throughout the Christian church many times, in which the Christians were the one who went and they took the babies out of the trash heaps and raised them because they believed that they have value. Today, we have to fight for those who have value but don't have a voice for themselves. One real practical way we apply valuing people who are made in the image of God is through fighting for those who can't speak for themselves. Fighting for those who are unborn is one way that we do that. You know, it is amazing because in America, 1.3 million babies are aborted each year in the U.S. alone. This is six times the population of Brown County. Gone. It's a genocide or infanticide or whatever, but gone. Aborted. Since, uh, since 1973, Roe v. Wade, there have been four times more babies killed than Nazi Germany had killed in their regime. And so there's this genocide happening in which children are dying who are created in the image of God. And so it is right for us to stand up and say, stop. These children are valuable to God. Later on October 25th, we're actually going to participate, and we'll let you know when it comes to that time, but just in a prayer walk, a pro-life prayer walk to say, we want to pray that these babies would live. We would pray that no longer would they be killed because they are made in the image of God. And so we unashamedly are pro-life. Unashamedly, because God is. God is the one who creates. God is the one who gives value. Now, if you're here today and you have gone through and you have you have had an abortion or you have encouraged someone to have an abortion while we are pro-life there is still great forgiveness for you through christ which we'll talk about and we're so glad that you're here but we would like to speak with one voice saying these children are valuable because they're created in the image of god and so you are valuable people around you are valued because they're created in god's image. Let me end with a story from the Bible. Jesus uh, was walking, doing his ministry, and he was gaining popularity. And so the religious leaders, the Pharisees, always tried to trick Jesus, always tried to catch him in some trick question, a, a catch 22 of some sort. In Matthew 22, this is what happens. Verse 17, it says, tell us then, this is the Pharisee speaking, tell us then what you think is lawful. It, it, excuse me. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? See, what they were trying to get him in the trap of is if he said, yes, it's lawful to pay taxes to Caesar, then the Jews would hate him. And if he said no, then Caesar would hate him. 
And so they were trying to trick him into this question. But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness, literally, whose image and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And then I love this verse. When they heard it, they marveled. And they left him and went away. Why do you think they marveled? See, on a denarius was an engraven image of Caesar, as he points out here. And Jesus is saying, this is Caesar's image on this coin. It belongs to Caesar. Give it back to him if he wants it. But you, you bear the image of God. Give yourself to God. Give your heart, your life, your soul to God because you bear his image. You may say, boy, that sounds really good. I'd like to give myself to God, but I'm not really sure he would want me anymore. You know, my image has been tarnished. It's been stained by my sin, by the mistakes that I have made. I've done many shameful things. Dan, you don't know how bad of a person I am. But you are still an image bearer of God. And the way that God has most shown his value to you is that he has taken his most valuable possession. Jesus Christ. And he sent him to earth, not to be seen as very good, but to be very hated, to be sent to the cross, to die, that his image would die, that we would once again be restored into the image of God, that we would be saved, that our relationship with God would be restored. And so God sends his son that as his image bearers, we might be restored to the image that God has intended for us in part on this earth, but in full in heaven, that we'd once again be fully human as God has created us. See, on this coin, there was an inscription, and it said, Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine Augustus. Basically, Caesar was son of a God, but Jesus Christ was the son of God, and he came to die for you that you might know God once again, as you were created to. And so what will we do for such an amazing love? Jesus says it right here. He says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. Surrender your life to the one who created you. Surrender your life to the one whose image you bear. Surrender your life to the one who values you above all else. The Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we thank you so much that you have created us with great value, God. We confess to you that we often devalue the people around us and we often question our own value. Let your scriptures transform our hearts to know that we are created in your image, that everyone is created in your image, and they have undisputable value. Let us be a people that restores that value to people. Let them know that we love them because you have loved us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.